and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. So today on the show, we're going to talk a little about prevent plant. And you might say, wait a second here. Um, it's an awfully dry year. There's not a lot of prevent plant out there. Exactly. That's why we wanted to talk about it a little bit today. Just in terms of the insurance and economics and everything else, having uh, prevent plant in your past, it's good to, as much as you can now, get away from that, plant the crops, establish some yield, all that kind of thing. So we'll talk about that throughout the day. We'll also get to the Ag PhD mailbag here shortly. If you've got a question for us, just email us, radio at agphd.com. Or you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. So we are pretty dry right in our region of the United States. Really need some rain fairly soon. But the good news here is we were super cold all through May. So it's only been hot for a little over a week. And the crop is really small. And I know a lot of people are starting to panic, but there's plenty of time to get rain and still have good crops for corn and soybeans. Now, if you were raising wheat or some crop like that, yeah, the time is getting awfully critical right now. Even in pastures, we're starting to see um, starting to see some browning of grass out there. So not the best, but hopefully things will turn around soon. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, get this one from Jacob down in Arkansas. He said, I'm at V12 corn right now, and I need to apply my last 50 units of nitrogen with a plane. I was looking to apply somewhere between 5 and 10 pounds of granulated boron with my 125 pounds of urea. I don't have any tissue test samples from this year. I have taken soil tests in the fall and I've got an average level of boron. I'm looking to make this boron with nitrogen application in an attempt to improve my nitrogen efficiency late in the plant's life. I've got about 40 units of sulfur under the crop right now. I've been getting timely rains, haven't had to irrigate. What do you think of this game plan? Okay. Granulated boron. Yep, he threw in the key thing I was after there right at the end, irrigated or not. Because I'll be honest, I worry a lot about throwing 125 pounds of urea over the crop with the potential leaf burn. But if you can put water on it right away, that's going to wash it all off the plant. And now you should be in pretty good shape. So that's not so concerning to me. Uh, that boron, 5 to 10 pounds, are we talking 5 to 10 pounds actual? Or is that... 5 to 10 pounds of granulated boron product. Okay, gotcha. So not 5 to 10 pounds no, of actual. actual. So probably... Let's guess it at 0.5 to 0.75 pounds of actual. That should be just fine. What do you think? Well, I think it'll be fine too. I guess the the dry with an airplane, I understand if you've been getting enough rain that you just can't even get out there even if you wanted to, or or just that the corn's getting so tall. That's that's your opportunity. I don't really like dry over the top of big corn, but I guess uh, if that's what your choice is, I guess I'm for getting the nitrogen out there. And Yeah, but like I said, I mean, what's the problem with it if you can irrigate it right away? Just that you get too much in the world. No, you don't. Not if you put all kinds of water on it. So you're going to be just fine. You're going to flush it all out of there. So where we have here's where we have problems. It's so when you're you have saying dew. when you irrigate, 
Don't yes. go light. Irrigate heavy right. with put a, this put first an inch, pass. Yeah, put an inch on. and uh, But quite frankly, even if you put a tenth of an inch on, it's going to be a heck of a lot better than nothing. What we worry about is dew. And when you have dew, then that fertilizer just sits there and burns. And that's not good. And so Darren's exactly right. That's the thing we don't like about dry over the top is it can get in the whirl. And if you get a lot of concentration in the whirl and then it just sits there because it doesn't get flushed out with rain, that's where we get the leaf burn. So, and granted, most of the time it's cosmetic, but nevertheless, I don't like even cosmetic injury on big corn. So if it was me, I'd fly it on and I would be irrigating um, the second that that plane leaves the field. All right. Thanks, Jacob. We appreciate the, the question. This one comes from Todd in Western Pennsylvania. He said, there is a large housing development coming to my area and some of my concerns are around manure and livestock and, and streams. I've heard you talking about uh, changing manure to compost and doing composting. Can you explain about that just a little bit? Sure. I mean, you can read up on composting. We don't have time to get into the entire process or anything, but it's it's not all that complicated. Um, basically, w- well, w- what we will get comment- all that excess water out of the manure and get the nutrients into a fairly stable form. Yes. Yep. So that's what you do. It just takes a little time. Um, we've got a product we use called Decomp that helps us speed that process of manure over to compost. But otherwise, a lot of people will turn their manure piles and in two or three months, the pile will get super hot. It'll burn out a lot of disease and weeds um, and a lot of harmful things, and then you end up with what looks kind of like potting soil in the end. Um, I, I would also say when when you've got a housing development going up, every area handles that a little differently. It's interesting, in our county, if you go down to the county planning and zoning office, and by the way, we are the most populous county in the state of South Dakota, still not a lot of people, roughly 200, 250,000 people in our entire county, but still, they have it where you go to planning and zoning and it'll say if you want to build in the in the in out in what we would call the country out in a rural area not in a in city limits anywhere in this county here are the things that are going to happen uh the smells the noises all these kind of things so you understand as a land purchaser as or as someone who is going to build a house out in the country uh, this is what you got to deal with so farmers don't um well a farmer i would just say from a farmer's perspective we're trying to do what we can uh to accommodate the city people that are moving out into the country and so we might not be harvesting at two in the morning right next to their house but that could happen and people need to understand this so they don't complain to the county if they have complaints that come into the county the county just simply refers them to the sheet that they signed or or the information they got when they got their permit out in the country saying uh yeah you agreed to all these things so that's just the way it is when you live in a rural area well stay tuned we'll be right back as a little girl i always wanted to run the combine because it meant i was helping dad And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, 
and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, it is so fun when we get to talk about what's going on in crops. What's not fun is talking about prevent plant. Oh, we've had so much of that in North Dakota and South Dakota the last couple of years. I was really thankful that that farmers were able to get stuff in the ground here because it creates a lot of challenges. Not only do you not get to grow a crop there, but you've got all the problems coming up the next few years when you do get to put crop in that ground again. So we're going to talk through insurance, economics, weed control, just lots of different issues around prevent plant. We welcome your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And of course, you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Kansas State University. We've got Craig Rosaboom with us right now. Craig, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks. All right, prevent plant is never uh, like a topic farmers really want to talk about. It's like, no, don't jinx us. Don't jinx us, but it happens every year. There's For one reason or another, we can't get in the field. Typically, it's too much moisture. Uh, when you run into that issue in Kansas, what are some of the questions that come up from farmers and, and topics you have to discuss? Yeah, obviously, if they're in the insurance program they've got things to think about i generally just come at it from an agronomic point of view okay you got ground that you didn't get planted with the hybrid you wanted at the time you wanted now what are your options and obviously for corn there's we've got a lot of flexibility with our little longer growing season to go ahead and plant and move up our hybrid maturity it's just whether or not you can get get the earlier maturing hybrid you want when you want it but that's always an option we also have uh, sorghum we can always switch to on some of those acres. We can still plant sorghum through much of June on a lot of our acres, and this is especially useful when you've got ground that maybe you've got herbicides on that won't 
allow you to go to soybeans or a broadleaf. Yeah. And that's kind of our other option. Yeah. Is if you, if you do have flexibility, if you don't have the herbicide restrictions, we've got a nice window yet for planting soybeans in in much of uh, our area. You're right. So we we always have plan B. We always at. have that plan B crop and, and whether that's a super early maturity, which we get a lot of questions on being further north in the country than a lot of growers. They say, all right, you guys are used to planting these early day things. What do you think about this option? And and you mentioned sorghum too, that, hey, there's other crops that a guy could go to. I know we hear a lot of farmers, if there's no herbicide out there, talking about sunflowers and those kind of things too. Uh, you mentioned the, the yeah. herbicide though, and this is one of the things that a lot of growers will say darn it was it was good enough i could get out there and i got my herbicide on how much control can i expect out of that herbicide when there's no crop no crop canopy to help us well that herbicide that pre-emerge herbicide is just buying you time until that canopy develops and so obviously a lot depends on temperature and moistures and the specific products that are out there but you've got at best a few weeks of control it won't go season long because all of those systems generally rely on well a couple of things the the crop canopy or or combination of a good heavy residue layer so if you've got a no-till situation with a good heavy residue layer that may actually buy you additional time as well you know, and the other thing is cover crop. We get a lot of questions about that. Well, I put a herbicide on, how soon is it safe to plant a cover crop blend? And a lot of times we'll talk through well, what are the components of the blend, and there's some grass components and some broadleaf components, and so it gets a little bit dicey about, all right, well, the rotational restriction to this crop would be this many months, but if you're just trying to get cover out there and all you're trying to do is get something, some kind of stand, well, even if you had a little stand lost to the herbicide, a guy might still go ahead and do it if he finds the right moisture environment to get the seed to grow. What what kind of questions around the cover crop do you get? Yeah, that's always an option. Uh, another kind of a related thing would be like a summer annual forage, like a sedan or a sorghum sedan or something like that. Could that could either be the forage or just the cover? Sure. Uh, again, depending on the species, millet. There's several types of millets that could go out. That you know, if your only restriction is you can't go to some kind of broadleaf, you've got a, a range of selections there. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes just a cheap, uh, small grain that's better than nothing, you know, don't spend money on a mix, just get some small grain cover out there that you can graze or hay. I think that was pretty popular choice here the last couple of years where guys said, man, I'm just not, I just can't afford to spend a lot, and but I could go with this and maybe I even have some in the bin that I could just go grab so it, it won't be hard for me to do. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But uh, you're right. There are oftentimes a lot more choices than just, oh, I can't do my full season corn. Now what do I do? Uh, it definitely don't give up. There's a lot more things you can do to still be successful. We're talking with Craig Rosaboom here with Kansas State. Craig, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today, and good luck here with the rest of the summer. Yeah, thank you. You too. Take care. Let's head down to Nebraska. We got Richard Earnholt with us with Mid Plains Ag. Richard, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's going good. It's kind of dry and warm. 
Yeah, you know, and, and when we're dry, we can get into the ground, but it doesn't necessarily mean stuff's going to grow if we don't have irrigation. I suppose across the state of Nebraska, you certainly have some dry land guys that are a little nervous right now. Yeah, we've got a mix of irrigated and dry land. I guess the majority of Nebraska production's irrigated, but there's a lot of dry land too, and it's acting pretty dry this year. You know, when you when you look at precision ag and how that's being utilized in farming, I talk to a lot of growers that say, oh, 2012 was a really valuable year for me because I see all my drought-prone areas in my fields and I use that for different things like setting up variable rate planting and that kind of thing. When you look at an opportunity year such as 2021, what are some things that as growers we should be trying to glean from the information that's out there right now to help us going forward? Well, in our experience in 2012 here in this area was because we have really good water supply. We had almost record yields in 2012 under irrigation. The dry land crops were really poor, but if you have proper irrigation, you can raise a really good crop in a year like 2012. I think at, at that point, that was probably our best year ever for yields. So that was, it was a good year for us. Yeah, he never lost a day to clouds and and rain and cold weather. It was it was just full on growing the whole time. Yeah, we spent a fortune on fuel for irrigation, but it was we we produced a really good crop that year. Now there were areas when we sell crop insurance also, but there were areas where the water supply wasn't good and they didn't have good crops. So you you really needed good water supply. You know, one thing that you speak about the crop insurance, one thing that we talk about too sometimes is just, man, we're trying to grow a crop in this ground every year. How much does it hurt a guy when he has a year off or a couple of years off due to a prevent plant situation in a field? Well, they have to watch the rule. They have to plant one year and four years to be eligible for prevent plants. So that's something they have to really watch that, um, that they don't, become ineligible because if they once they become ineligible they have to raise have to plant ensure and harvest a crop for two consecutive years before they're eligible again so that could be kind of tough yeah for the guys that had extended wet through 2017 18 19 they were they were nervous going into 2020 because it started off wet again and so I, i see what you mean if you're not getting out there at least on a fairly regular basis you could be in trouble Right. Uh, we had we had one client last fall was worried about that, so he planted a, a rye crop and insured a rye crop for the spring, which turned out well. He's harvesting a good rye crop, and rye is pretty valuable. So you have to really watch that eligibility. Um, typically in our area, we're not an area that has a lot of prevent plant, unless you're in a lowland area. But uh, last two years, 19 and 20, we, we had a lot of prevent plant claims, so... Now, this year, so far, we haven't had any. Yeah, that is that is one of the blessings here in 2021. At least we were able to get into those acres. We're talking with Richard Earnholt with Mid Plains Ag down in Nebraska, and he had another good tip there, too, kind of like what Craig Roseboom was saying. Just look at some other options, maybe even planting a rye crop, which normally wouldn't be your crop, at least keeps you in the program. Richard, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. 
That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about Prevent Plant on the show today just to ward it off for years, I hope, from our area. A lot of times you talk about something that's about the time it happens. Well, we've had enough Prevent Plant the last couple of years. This year, in our region at least, boy, there's virtually none. Everybody got into pretty much everything as far as I'm aware. It was a great year for that. Uh, I've got Mark Licht with us right now from Iowa State. Mark, how about Iowa? Any prevent plant in any part of Iowa? I'm I'm not aware of any prevent plant here in Iowa this year. Um, it was a nice dry spring, and that made for very timely planting conditions. Yeah, my brother, I think, is always wishing for a drought in the month of April so he can get everything in and, and early May. But the problem is this drought's just kind of hanging out for a little bit. We're not getting enough rain after that. So talk to us about prevent plant, because there are some acres that were prevent plant last year. What are some of the issues you'd expect to see in some of that ground coming into 2021? 
Yeah, so if, you know, if it's fairly good ground and it's been in um, corn soybean, it's been in production for a number of years, generally speaking, we don't think of, you know, um, any tremendous um, challenges the following year, right? So um, I know there's there's talk occasionally about a fallow syndrome, and at least at least in Iowa, we don't see that. Um, and I think part of it is is we have a uh, you know nice microbial activity, and then you get through the winter freeze thaw cycles, and everything's back in condition again. But one of the one of the challenges that may um, pop up in the following year is um, you know what does that weed pressure look like? And it kind of depends on what was done with that preventative planted acres the the year prior. Yeah, that that's for sure. The weed pressure seems to be a big deal. And I, I've already talked to a number of growers this year in North Dakota that have said, man, the weed pressure in these fields that were prevent plant is a lot heavier than I thought. And they knew they let a few weeds go to seed. They just couldn't get in there in time. And here you go. You don't think you hear the numbers that, oh, a pigweed plant can produce a million seeds, but you think, oh, okay, yeah, they might have a million, but it can't be that bad. And it really is this year. It does look pretty hairy in those fields. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it adds up. Um, so, you know, and that's one of the reasons when, when we do get into prevent plant situations, we talk about, okay, so what are the cover crop options that are out there? What species can we put out there that would be forage options if we have livestock? that can utilize it. Right. And, you know, part of it is just so it doesn't have to go fallow, but the other part is, is it helps us, you know, outcompete those weeds. Yeah. And I, I did talk to a number of growers over the last couple of years. So South Dakota and North Dakota, I've had a couple of years here. We had just millions of acres of prevent plant. And one of the things that, that those farmers have said is, you know, the cover crop blend wasn't as good for us as just using a straight cereal grass. That way we went out and had lots of weed control options for these broad leaves. Have you heard kind of the same thing? The growers seem to be most concerned about the broad leaves. Yeah, um, the the broad leaves are are the main thing, and and yeah, you're right. Getting out there with like a cereal rye or a triticale, something like that, they they can really outcompete, um, you know, a lot of those broad leaves. Um, if 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 it gets warmer and we don't quite have the ability to get some of those cereal greens started because of dry conditions or whatever, you know, then you might look at something like a sorghum or a Sudan sorghum or even a millet. Um, again, they're going to put out a lot of biomass. They're going to outcompete most of those broad leaves. Yeah, plus uh, the way the rules turned out in terms of grazing, haying, those kinds of things, sometimes you get a, a tremendous benefit out of that as well. well. One other thing, Mark, that we get questions on is just deep ruts and compaction in those fields where guys tried to get out there, whether it was for weed control or maybe they were trying to get the field ready in the first place and, and just it was a mess and wondering what the long-term impacts of that are and, and how long they're going to be dealing with that problem. Yeah, that, that is a problem that can last for quite some time. And we see that you know, occasionally during, just during harvest season here in Iowa. Right. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times, again, the, the, the best uh, course of action is just prevention in the first place. Right. But if you do have it, it, you know, you kind of look at, can you even get to that, um, compaction depth with tillage. Uh, if, if that's not an option, then using some really deep-rooted um, species or cover crops are an option. But again, you may not have the time to do that depending on when that compaction was put into place, right? Um, and, and so then it may just be one of those things where 
you just try to get a, a good growing environment, you know, to get um, the corn, soybeans, small grain, whatever it is that you're going to be planting, get it established well, and and hopefully, um, you know, it can get those roots started and, and it can help with that as well, right? And so uh, usually that deep compaction is what's going to take us a while. And our our intuition would tell us with shallow compaction, well, let's just take it out with tillage. Right. But one of the nice things that we have, you know, with shallow compaction is we're in an area where we get some pretty good freeze-thaw cycles. And if we get some of those freeze-thaw cycles, it may just be a matter of using some vertical tillage, you know, kind of level off those ruts um, and, and let the freeze-thaw cycles take care of the compaction. See, I like that, Mark, that you talked about, hey, we're going to freeze, and this is a good thing because we have plenty of our listeners are in the south, and they kind of tease us a little bit that it gets so cold up here. But you know what? Sometimes there's some good things that happen with the cold weather, too. <laughs> we're, we're talking with Mark Lick, not quite as far north as we are. Mark's in Iowa at Iowa State, uh, but we really do appreciate the insights here on Prevent Plant. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Brian, uh, finishing up here on Prevent Plant, a couple of things. There, there's three things that I was thinking about when it comes to Prevent Plant. First of all, the reason that we don't get stuff planted in this area is because we're too wet. When you get an opportunity year like 2021, you can get back in those acres, get some tiling done, get that fixed, obviously improve the drainage. The next one is soil sampling. And I, I don't know that I necessarily agreed with Mark's point on the, the fertility there. We do see crops suffering a lot of times coming out of prevent plant. I'd recommend doing some soil sampling out there and well, making sure you get things. Yes, but keep set. in mind, he's in Iowa and they don't have prevent plant as often as let's say someone in North Dakota That's or South true. Dakota. So if it was only a one-year deal, I agree with him. If this has been a chronic problem over the last 20 years, then that's a different story. So when 1992 hit, I, I'm trying to think, was it Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines? Um, whenever that erupted, I think it was 1991, uh, might have been 92. But anyway, uh, over the course of 1992, the Earth's temperature dramatically went down. It was one of the coldest years on record. And so you want to solve global warming, you just have a few eruptions from volcanoes. Spewing that ash all over the planet lowered the temperature. Well, what ended up happening is areas like North Dakota, South Dakota, northern Minnesota started getting hit with rain. Plus, it was colder, so uh, very little water was evaporating. And areas that had been farmed for decades all of a sudden were now lakes. And we're just still recovering from some of that back in the early 1990s. So we have seen all these years, I mean, we're talking 30 years now, of wet. I mean, trying to recover from that is tough. And so there's been so much prevent plant, that's where we have the problems. And a lot of times it's saline or sodic issues. Well, the fix for saline is tile. The fix for sodic is tile. The fix for uh, prevent plant is typically tile. So... I, I don't know how, how else to say it. We've got to improve the drainage somehow. And you might, and the most common thing that I will hear from farmers is I don't have anywhere to go with the water. Look, there's always somewhere to go with the water. Now, you might not like it, and it might take a tremendous amount of work. And in some cases, it might be cost prohibitive. I don't know. But all I'm saying is, I, I can just tell you firsthand on our farm, Tile literally transformed our farm. And I, I worked for about three years uh, working with the neighbors, with NRCS, with everybody. I mean, I spent three years of my life working on this. And 
it, it all got done eventually, but it took time. It took lots of time. So you have to be devoted to spend. I mean, I probably spent a thousand hours a year for three years. I mean, that's that's a big time commitment. Putting tile in the ground's a piece of cake. I mean, affording the tile is a no-brainer. Most of the tile we put in were when commodity prices were similar to this, what we have now, and we paid for that tile in a year. So those aren't the issues. The issue is just simply working it out with all your neighbors and everybody else. And where do you go with that water? Do you pump it? What, What do you do exactly? But I just can't speak highly enough of tile, plus the fact it helps the environment, uh, really helps your soil for the long term, reducing those saline and sodic issues. So anyway, I, that's absolutely what I would be looking at. This is your year if it's a dry year. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit FarmShopMFG.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to crop disease, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on crop disease with DuPont Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one for healthier corn, soybean, or wheat crop that can deliver higher yield potential and increased revenue per acre. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. Today, we're talking about prevent plant and some of the issues around it. One more thing that I wanted to bring up, Brian, before we move on to some mailbag questions, is just we talked about planning for more weed pressure than you're used to. And that's a real important thing, but also more insect pressure. We've definitely had some calls with grubs and other bugs, wireworms that that were just more prevalent than what farmers had had to deal with. I, I got a, the comment more than once this year of, man, I've just never had that bug as a problem. Where did they all come from? Well, just have prevent plant for a year or two and you'll find it. They're looking for a home where things aren't changing much. And if you haven't been able to get out in that field, you could have more. So my recommendation generally is plan a complete trait package and use insecticide as well. So for example, let's just say you're going corn. For me, I'd be putting a smart stacks out there and I'd be also putting uh, something for an insecticide down if you've got liquid probably capture lfr if you've got dry capabilities you could use an aztec or a forest or something like that just because you know there's going to be more bugs and i had a few farmers say well i'm going to put the smart sack in i'm fine with that but i don't know that i want to put the insecticide in i think the insecticide would even be more important than the smart stack just from the standpoint of i'm not as Definitely much worried would. about corn rootworm but i like that on those smart stack hybrids you generally get a double rate of your neonic like a poncho or cruiser for example that's a good thing and i also like on those smart stacks you can spray liberty or roundup it gives you another weed control option so there, there's more to it than just having that additional uh, rootworm trait out there yes yep i agree with all that i i would just say with prevent plant i, I want to come back to and so this is my last point i i I want to come back to what I said in our last segment, talking about tile. I think I think a lot about the year 2012. That was when we supposedly had the worst drought since 1937. And I just remember how a lot of people said, ah, I'm not worried about tiling now. It's super dry. That's the time you want to tile. Right now, um, we're at the driest point on our farm since 2012. And you can literally get in exactly. anywhere you, you don't, want. You don't make Now's a mess. You do don't it. have neighbors that are mad because there's right. no flow coming out right. of it Nothing's right away. Nothing's going to come out of that tile. Right that's now. awesome. That's yep. when that's when everybody gets along great. And now, you know, really the only problem with the only real problem is just when you're super wet, that first initial flush is going to be pretty heavy. But now if you're putting it in and there's no initial flush because the water table is down deeper than what you're putting your tile in, that's great because now the only thing that's going to happen is just normal moisture, and it's a lot easier to talk through those issues. In fact, who knows? Your tie lines may not run for quite a while. We'll, we'll see. But it's still a good investment, and it's one that you're making for a generation or more. It's not all about, hey, what's the next two or three years going to bring through this tile line? Yeah, it's multiple generations. I'm going to be real sad if our tile doesn't last 50 70 years something like that so be way beyond the time well, if you get that to watch it for the next earth. 70 years brian yeah. you'll be pretty darn happy <laughs> uh yeah well i'm trying to live to 100 so i got 48 years to go so i'm certainly hoping we don't have to replace any of our tile in the next 48 years and then i'll be pretty happy all right so the other thing was was the insects and it's something that if you don't have insecticide down at planting, it's tough to fight. And I know some guys will say, well, I'm going to go with soybeans or I'm going to go with a different crop that maybe could handle it a little bit better than corn. 
I'm just saying, if there's a lot of bugs out there, they're out there. And if you don't do anything about them, you're going to be fighting them either this year or next year. So just something to keep an eye on in those fields. Uh, last thing here on the, the nutrients, I just want to make sure you're taking soil samples, especially if you haven't been in those fields for a while. And some of the things that, that we'll see out there, if you haven't been putting fertility on and you've got a lot of crop growing, you may think, well, I'm not going to have anything left. And and you might be right. There might not be much, but you really haven't harvested anything out of there either in most cases. So it could surprise you one way or the other. It's much better to deal with knowing what you've got rather than guessing. It seemed like more farmers that I talked to this year that were coming out of Prevent Plant just said, look, I'm putting on crop removal rates on everything, so I should be covered. But if I have a little extra, great, we'll deal with it for next year. I'm just so happy to get out in those fields, and I want to get out there before conditions turn. So can't really blame you for that when it's been a year or more since you've been in your own fields. All right, let's dive back into the Ag PhD mailbag. We had a question earlier from Jacob down in Arkansas. He was going to be top dressing with an airplane, some nitrogen, and also some dry boron. And we, we heard that he had irrigation. Unfortunately, Brian, it's not center pivot irrigation. It's furrow irrigation. So better than nothing where you can at least put some water out there, but a little different than what we were thinking about trying to flush flush any dry granules that get caught up in the world. Yeah, I, I would never spread 125 pounds of urea over the top of my corn crop. Not a chance in the world if it's non-irrigated. Nope, I, I just wouldn't do it. There's, there's, there's the chance what of too much What if you had a burn. big rain coming? What if you knew there's an entry and then it's kind of the same thing, right? If you absolutely knew, it is, yeah. And and keep in mind, in their area, they get three times the rainfall that we do, so they have a lot better chance that that could work. Well, he and hasn't even run the irrigation this year. He's gotten enough natural enough rainfall, rainfall coming. Yes, yes, so yes. if it keeps on, great. Yep. And and the sooner the better, generally, because it, it might dry up later in the summer. Yep. Who knows? But yeah, all I'm saying is urea and dry urea and dry boron will both burn the corn. And if you get rain very soon after then you flush everything off the plant and hopefully down into the ground so it actually can get used. And then you're fine. It's okay. But yeah, I just, I, I worry about that. <laughs> but of course I'm going to worry because we've had nine inches of total precip in 11 months. So, we, you know, we just, we don't get rain often. So that's the reason why I wouldn't do it on our farm. Okay, I got a question from Tom. He said, what is the best way to apply manure to an alfalfa stand in season? <laughs> uh, okay, well, this is another thing that, you know, I, I just, I, I can't see myself doing. I, I really can't. Now, here, and here's the reason why. Because in manure, there's a fair amount of phosphorus. And almost every livestock person knows today that the government with regul regulatory issues, I mean, the government's hitting everybody up on everything, but it's mainly phosphorus. Well, if you spread manure on top of the soil surface for alfalfa, it's not getting used this year, and it's not getting into the ground this year. I don't care how much water you throw at it. It's just not going to happen. So... Now you've got all this phosphorus on the soil surface. Let's say you get a whole bunch of runoff, you get massive rains or whatever, you have hilly ground. I just that that part worries me. So I I that's that's why I wouldn't do it. Um, I, I guess if you said, well, I have to do it, how would I put it on there? Um, well, I, I guess 
you can throw okay so if it's dry manure you throw it over the top and do it right before a rain same thing with liquid manure you throw it over the top and it's got to be right before um you know some some decent rains coming up because uh, the other issue you've got is salt so alfalfa doesn't tolerate salt very well so you just number one can't put a lot of manure out there and number two the worst thing that can happen is just a dew or a very very light rain and then the salt's all going to be sitting there and it's not getting flushed down through that soil so those would be the things that i worry about so i can't say there's a fantastic way to do this it's just it's concerning to me yeah and kind of a similar question here we'll we'll take as we head into the break dylan down in texas he said it's been unbelievably wet here in north texas temperatures have not reached 90 degrees yet and it just seems to keep on raining no one's even cut their first cutting of hay Fertilizer, though, is really expensive, and we know we need to load up on fertility to continue to have good hay crops. We've got lower CEC soils. We've got sandy loams. And we're just outside of Fort Worth. There is a municipal source of bio sludge that could be used as fertilization. They put out six to seven tons per acre with an analysis that gets us about 60 pounds of nitrogen per acre and a ton of lime which would be really good for us. It seems too good to be true. Just wonder if you guys would talk through the pros and cons of applying that to our hay ground. Hey, thanks, Dylan. We really appreciate that question. Yeah, there are a lot of these kinds of opportunities out there that that look good, but they make you a little bit nervous. We'll talk about some of the things you might want to think through coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on. 
to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DeLauroComplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. If you have an agronomic question, here is your opportunity to talk to us. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Got a question from Dylan down in North Texas where they're getting lots of rain, haven't even got their first cutting of hay off yet, and he's asking about bio sludge that is coming uh, through a company that's in the Metroplex, he said, uh, around Fort Worth. Just wondering, he could get 60 pounds of nitrogen an acre in six to seven tons of sludge, and there's also one ton of lime in each one, which they also need. And he's just wondering, would, would this be a good idea to spread over the top of the hay, considering they keep getting lots of rain? Well, because you're getting lots of rain, that's absolutely why I would at least consider it. That's a lot of sludge. Uh, so if if it was me, I'd try it on a few acres, and I'd see how it goes. With the understanding that if you get into a dry year, that's not a good time to put that out. Uh, what, I, what I worry about in the dry year is the salt. You've got to get that flushed through as quickly as possible. So having good rainfall is definitely going to help you. The other thing, and we were just talking about this in our last segment, is phosphorus. Any phosphorus in there is not going to get into the ground. So in the future, that would be nice to till that in at some point. So when you take that stand out, uh, just till that in. And, you know, that's that's ideally the best time to do these these major things. So getting a lot of phosphorus out, putting manure, compost, any of those kind of things. It's between uh, stands. So in other words, if I've torn out the alfalfa, I'm going to put in some other crop for a year or two, go back to alfalfa. It's during that time you want to get stuff loaded up. With alfalfa, it's a challenge, and quite frankly, any perennial crop. When you have immobile nutrients like phosphorus, zinc, and copper, if you lay them on the soil surface, is it possible that, that some can get down into the root zone? Well, sure it is, but it's only going to go down an inch maybe. Even in lighter soils, it just doesn't move down very much. So that's, that's where our big concern comes in, and now you've got stratification of nutrients. With even let's say potassium, which normally in our area, because of lack of rain and heavy soils and cold weather, we say potassium is fairly immobile. But in your case, the potassium is going to move. And that's the number one thing alfalfa needs anyway is potassium. So because of your rain, because of your a little bit lighter soil, and just the fact that your ground doesn't freeze over the winter, that 
potassium is going to keep moving down in the soil. So that's a good thing for your situation. But yeah, I, I would certainly try some. Just do it on a small scale and always keep in mind, the sooner you can get rainfall after it gets applied, the safer it's going to be for your alfalfa. All right, get this one from Andreas, who is in Sweden. And he said, back 25 years ago, I was in an exchange program for young people interested in farming, got paired up with a farmer in west central Minnesota. He had row crops and some wheat, and he was a DeKalb seed dealer. He said, if I remember right, the best corn in his test plot was 140 bushel corn back in 1996, and now we see about a 50% boost in yields uh, in corn and in soybeans, and we're seeing the same thing here in Sweden, except for wheat. Why is wheat not keeping up with some of the other crops in terms of yield gains? Breeding. So, and what it really comes back to in most things in a capitalist society, come back to money. So here, here's the thing. With corn and soybeans, um, well, corn especially is very easy because you have to plant hybrid corn, otherwise you just don't get yield. So you've got to have somebody do that for you, a seed company. Soybeans... Um, after many years of having Roundup Ready and all these other traits, now basically it is uh, the companies have, have kind of forced farmers to stop planting their own seed uh, by making it illegal. Because of all this, the big seed companies charge a fair amount of money for seed. Well, they stick that money back into research and development. And by the way, I, this is one of the things where a lot of people... and. I will also say I complain about seed prices too, okay? So I'm a farmer also. I complain about seed prices. Darren and I were just talking about it going into 2022. You're going to see seed prices a little bit higher, and I'm going to complain, okay? But that doesn't change the fact that for a lot of these companies, it's not like they're making all kinds of money. You look at what they spend on research and development, it's unbelievable. And we do have dramatically higher yields now. So I don't mind paying a little bit more when I get the higher yield, but of course, I'm a farmer. I'm always going to complain the price is too high. Uh, anyway, with wheat, they there is not a system so private companies feel like they can stick R&D dollars in and extract those dollars back out. Uh, because so many farmers save their wheat seed, and it would just it would take a uh, shift change with all that. But it, the same thing could happen in wheat, absolutely. But that's the reason why, in my opinion. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, I got this one from Carl, and oh, hey, Darren, oh. let me let me just say one other thing, quick. And on all, in terms of all crops, you hear all the time, and I, I think too much anymore about the global warming thing and the the cause that or the fault of human beings global warming is but whether we agree on that or disagree doesn't make any difference so that's not my point i don't care this isn't political the fact of the matter is plants are the answer plants breathe in carbon dioxide and so if you want to make the argument that there's more carbon dioxide in our planet today than there was 50 years ago. Well, then right there, that's going to that's going to partially explain why all crop yields would be higher because they breathe in the carbon dioxide and they kick out oxygen. Okay, sorry, go ahead. All right, uh, this is from Carl, and he said, could you, could you guys please explain BT corn and why that's safe? It seems to me that something that produces a pesticide to kill bugs wouldn't be safe for me to eat? Well, it depends on your definition of pesticide. Um, 
is water a pesticide? And right away you might say, well, of course water is not a pesticide. I'm going to disagree with you. It sure and is here's in why. a rice crop. Here, here, here's why uh, water is a pesticide. Because if I have a bug or a plant and I uh, drown it in water, does it die? Of course it does. Well, the very definition of pesticide is it kills a pest. So water can kill a pest too. With this BT corn, it, what, what I, and what I, where I think you're going with this is you're concerned that there's now a chemical in the BT corn. There's not a chemical in the BT corn. All it is is a protein that the, the bug can't digest. Okay, so in, in plants, there are proteins created. Just like in human beings, there are proteins created. Um, all that happens is that BT corn is creating inside the plant an additional protein that certain insects can't digest. But fortunately, human beings can digest it just fine. Same thing with livestock. So no problems. Yeah, it's there. just it's just and different. It takes a an, it takes an acid digestion system to break it down, which certain insects do not have. They have an alkaline digestive right. system. Now let's compare that to the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines that have been widely available here in the United States for the last six months. Well, with those, once you take that shot, it's you're basically becoming BT corn. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're actually corn, but I'm saying it, there's a similarity here that I just want you to follow. Uh, so once they shoot that stuff in your body, now your body is able to produce a protein it wouldn't normally produce. That protein kills a pest. We call that pest COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Okay, so it's the same type of thing. And here's my point. If you're willing to take the vaccine, then you should be willing to um, to consume BT corn, or I, you really aren't even consuming BT corn. Well, I guess you would if it was uh, if it was BT sweet corn. But anyway, um, have your livestock consume this BT corn because it's the same kind of thing. It's just a protein that doesn't impact us as human beings or as animals, but it does control specific pests. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. To get one from Jim in Ohio, and he said, I have a question about the three pre's for soybeans. Uh, I, I normally use the three pre's. I'm wondering what effect, if any, does applying them to dead or alive cover crops, heavy soybean stock or corn stock residue make versus just bare ground? Do living plants or stocks yeah. absorb them, making them less effective? Great question. If there is a very significant amount of residue, then what it's going to do is tie up some of those herbicides for a little while. Eventually, they'll get through, and they you probably will get some control, but it'll be much later on. So that's why usually what we would tell people is burn down. If, let's say you've got an excessive amount of cover crop out there. It's massive and huge. We'd say burn that down first, then come back in a couple of weeks with the three pre's or something like that. So we, we, we don't want so much residue that we can't get through that. Just makes it a lot more predictable. That's right. Hey, thanks, Jim. We really appreciate that question. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.